Hello and welcome to What Our Point Weekly, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biggest stories of the week and decide what our point, or if in fact there are no point at all. Please, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Today is Thursday, February 24th. I have with me Ben and Nicholas. Hello, good evening. Howdy. And then Remy is also with us. Hello, Remy. Hi, everyone. All right, Nick, the floor is yours. Putin has crossed the Rubicon. You were correct. What happens now? Yeah, no, it's a horrendous day in, in European history, world history. Putin, I listened to his hour-long lunatic speech about Ukraine having wanting to reunite Ukraine with the Russian family. He is, uh, I think, adheres to fat, almost fascist beliefs. He's a world menace who needs to be stopped. And I think the U.S. failed to deter him. This is a, uh, I think he exploits American weakness and we failed to deter him. And I, I pray for the uh, limited amount of loss of life. Um, I pray for the Ukrainian people who are fighting for their survival. And I hope to God, the world, NATO, the United States, we stand up for universal human rights and hold them accountable. It's a, it's a really sad, terrible day. I really hope he is, his forces lose in Ukraine. And I think the only thing that will stop him and force him to, to pull back is, is, is unfortunately the, if Russian forces are sent home in boxes and that requires, you know, covert U.S. assistance and deterrence and vigilance and, and military prowess on the part of NATO and and allies in Eastern Europe. Question, what does it look like on the ground right now? Like what type of warfare is going on? So it's actually, it's, it's conventional. So the, the, this is, uh, large-scale combat operations, as it's called, from a technical perspective. The Russians seem to be implying uh, airborne ops, so they're, they'll, they're sending paratroopers from aircraft or helicopters, dropping them in certain locations, key strategic locations to encircle Kiev. They've done some strategic uh, strategic fighting, that essentially meaning that they fired cruise missiles at certain strategic targets, You know, essentially uh, attempted to destroy every single military airport in the country, even civilian airport for that matter. Uh, there's fighting around Chernobyl, which is apparently uh, strategically located near an airport, uh, an avenue of approach to Kiev. Um, the issue with that is that again, there's a, it's a containment zone. There's there's radiation. There's other factors that uh, that are that are at play that can really endanger have it not just have a military disaster, but an ecological disaster. Uh, sorry, hold on one second. The whole Chernobyl thing is kind of freaky. Like, isn't this is this potentially a way for them to, you know, poison Kiev's water, poison the environment around Kiev potentially? Like that that would seem to be a potential eventuality. Number one, and then number two is it seems like this is a way to gain a strategically important toehold around Kiev, knowing that you're not going to be shelled by anything because who the fuck is going to be stupid enough to fire uh, anything that can explode well, at Chernobyl? That's a good point, and I think I think the Russians do not fight by the rules of war. They use asymmetric methods to a certain degree. They uh, do not care about human rights. And I think that they would not they would not seem to mind an ecological disaster around Kiev. I think they have a scorched earth approach. And I mean, I think the, the, the humiliating thing, I think it's really sad is that the uh, sanctions, these sanctions should have been applied months ago to deter Putin's actions retroactively. I mean, the, the Russians have already planned for this. The sanctions that were unleashed by the Biden administration, I commend him for doing this, including sanctioning Nord Stream 2, but this should have been done months ago. This is just, sanctions are step one in, a, in an eight or 10 step process to deter Vladimir Putin. So Nick, what do you think is the next step? Because from a 
a financial market perspective, Ukraine, it's, it's, it's done, right? It's done, it's down and, and done. It's, it's over. Uh, Russia took over. It's, it's not, no. That's, that's actually factually incorrect, though. Ukrainians have fought bravely. No, no, sure, sure that it's, no, no, I understand that it's factually not correct today, but it's, it's what is priced in. And what is priced in also is that the U.S. are unwilling to really sanction heavily uh, Russia, right? They did not disconnect them for the SWIFT uh, network and they did not put any constraint, any uh, sanction around energy because they don't want uh, gas price to be higher in, in the U.S. So, uh, I mean, there's, you know, you know, to yeah. see kind of like in the few months down the road, how do you see things evolve in, in potential reality? I mean, I think that the the fact that Germans have completely gone insane when it comes to energy policy over the last decade, you know, they're heavily reliant on the French nuclear grid, which is, you know, France has aptly gone nuclear in the last 40 years, which has essentially made them immune from, you know, being held hostage by a Russia or something. But I think that they're completely schizophrenic on this. Hold on one second. Um, I think it kind of speaks to you know some of the inherent weaknesses in the in the EU at the moment, right? Like Italy is unwilling to provide uh, to apply sanctions on like luxury fashion items because that's a big part of their industry. Belgium is reluctant because of the diamond trade. It's kind of really fucking depressing to see a lot of these countries drop the ball and kind of be unwilling to put their money where their mouth is when when all the chips are down, right? Like this is a, this is a fundamental attack on self sovereignty. All right, yes. two things I don't really yeah. understand is why isn't when the, when I listened to them announce the the uh, sanctions today and they asked specifically about sanctioning Putin, why wouldn't you sanction Putin? Like I don't get that at all. That is a good question. That's a very valid question. I think they've sanctioned a couple of key oligarchs, but again, this is this has to be coordinated. They And then I mean, also I, Biden saying that he will not under any circumstance send troops into Ukraine. I don't get like like I, I was trying to say on podcasts before, the whole NATO thing, it just feels like sort of a red herring or something. It's like this whole situation that everybody's pointing at, but it's just a, it, it, it structurally is in total stasis. So everybody knows nothing's going to happen there. So I don't understand why B- Biden doesn't just throw that out to be like, yeah, obviously, Article 5, if you go over there, all these troops are a problem. But now you're, you've created a different problem. We're going to send the rangers or the fucking special forces directly into ukraine into the donbass i don't get why that doesn't happen now if he's if if he's taken this step like why does nato even apply why does it matter ukraine is our is, is an ally in its own right without nato it's not worth it's, it. it's, it's not about nato it's about like worrying about putin retaliating in a nuclear fashion which he's already alluded to right like if you play chicken against someone and you have one person who's fucking crazy and they take their hands off the wheel then either both of you lose or the crazy person wins, right? Like that's the this is this is there's a fundamental imbalance here. Ukraine is not worth it. I mean, from again from a market perspective, you don't want gas price to be higher in the U.S., right? That, yeah, that's but more like important that what's going on in. in I do think country. it's a it 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 creates a larger problem with Putin. Obviously, he he thought the timing was right because now he has an ally in China. And then now, I don't know, even things like cryptocurrency and other random shit, you can price in sanctions in a way that he can get around them in a way that he's already thought of clearly. So he's not concerned about that. So in order to really change the calculus, it does seem like you have to send in the military because that's what he's done. And so he will be emboldened other where other people will be emboldened. It is, I, I do think once he called the bluff, 
it, it does change everything. Why do you want to change the calculus? Because this is a situation where Putin is just seeing how far he can get. And then there will be another situation or it's a message to Taiwan and all this type of stuff. I do believe the hawks and that type of thing that we live in a global world where if, if one situation erupts here, other people take a note. And with the U.S. being in this precarious situation of trying to police everybody, it, it does put us in, a, in an awful situation. So I do think once Putin invaded, it did seem like, I mean, come on, we need to also as a country put our money where our mouth is. If this if he's going to invade a sovereign nation, right? Don't you don't you defend them? No, regardless of NATO. Uh, this is a complete role reversal for you, Seth. I feel like you're you and I are in a complete agreed state. This is uh, kind of shocking. So I'm changing a baby diaper right now. But um, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that I I think where we disagree is I think constant tit for tat escalation leads to, actually increases the chances of war. But once the war starts, you have to win the war. Like you cannot fuck around. With someone like Putin. But I think part of what Nick's point is that, like, this outcome has seemed inevitable for months now. And I think the U.S. sitting on its hands and not doing anything preemptively uh, has been deleterious at this point, you know. Well, I mean, at some level, haven't, like, you can make that argument that this has been obvious since he invaded Crimea. Like, you can, I don't know how you make that argument, because where do you stop it? Yeah, and... And in between yeah, that, he yeah. had Trump. He had Trump installed as president. No, well, let me let me correct the record because I think there's a lot to say here. I, I think that the last three administrations have done good and bad things on 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 Russia. I think that um, Obama has a very checkered record on Russia. I think that he allowed Crimea to be seized in 2014. He allowed MH17 to be shot. We didn't allow it to be shot down. It was shot down without a, any type of U.S. response by Russian separatists in Donbass and Lushansk. There's a whole slew of events that occur that sort of has enabled Putin to get away with more and more. And I think that it's time to hold him accountable and to, I mean, Obama did nothing to respond to Russian incursions in Syria. I mean, Putin is not invincible. He can be defeated. We just haven't tried any. I mean, I think we could bleed him in Syria covertly. We could launch... We could have proxies launch attacks against Heinemann Air Force Base in Syria, the Basel al-Assad Air Force Base that he controls. We could push him back in places like Transnistria, in which is a breakaway province of Moldova. We can push him back in. We could have pushed him back in Donbass and Lushansk as well. And we attempted not to. We sold. I mean, un, under the Obama administration, we sold them blankets. We sold the Ukrainian forces blankets. We didn't sell them any offensive weaponry. And contrary to the, you know, just because Trump says really stupid, ignorant things about Putin, the Trump administration, I you know, believe maybe without Trump's consent or knowledge, sent Ukraine offensive weaponry like Javelin anti-tank missiles, which have continued, to Biden's credit, they've continued. I think we should be sending them Stinger missile systems to shoot down Russian aircraft. I think we should send them Avenger anti-aircraft systems, which can be mounted on Humvees to shoot down Russian aircraft. I think that there are ways to make the only thing that will stop Putin is if Russian forces are sent home in boxes. And so I will why, why, why do you want to stop Putin? Again, from a U.S. perspective, uh, Putin has a very strong hand right now because there is a shortage of commodities around the globe. And it will be very hard to, to change anything in the next few uh, quarters. Um, and again, the last thing that uh, Biden wants 
is to lose the election. He doesn't want more inflation. He doesn't want gas price to be higher, going higher. That is number one priority from my understanding. Is it sure? And is it is it worth? He can he can be worried about losing the election or using losing Europe. I mean, I think this is what the NATO alliance is what's at stake, which is a cornerstone of peace on the European continent. Putin, what Putin really actually wants, it has nothing to do with us expanding NATO in the 90s. That is a completely bullshit argument. That is a Russian talking point. And I will refute that over and over again because that is complete horseshit. What Putin wants is he wants to discredit Article 5. He wants to make the NATO treaty irrelevant. He wants to bite off a NATO country. That is his ultimate prize. And he he wants to bite off Estonia or Poland or whatever and have the U.S. not respond, making the NATO alliance pointless and irrelevant and a thing of the past. So and I think we need to fight... With blood From the point of view, next next step will be to for Russia to invade a, a NATO country. I believe he's going to bite off Narva in Estonia, which is a kind of similar dynamic that has you know ethnic Russians. There's plenty of places that are vulnerable that he can he can cause pain that are NATO countries, which means we are obligated under Article Five to protect. So, Nick, what are the case of attack? Is it? I, I just assume that right now the, the special forces are at some capacity coordinating with the Ukrainian army. Is that the case? Like, how much are we actually I mean, there? there's training. There is training. The U.S. military has been training the Ukrainian forces since 2014. There's um, the U.S. military has changed its doctrine to a certain degree to, court, to, to sort of face the growing Russian threat. And I think we had an opportunity to prevent this and we failed by deter- deterring Russia, and we have failed to deter Russia, and I think now that is the time to make Putin feel pain and make yeah, him Yeah, and burn. sadly, Remy, to your point about Biden wanting to win the election, I think you're right about inflation and all this stuff is going to cause a headache. I think that, that Putin's already accomplished. I mean, this is really going to screw the markets for a while. You don't think so? No, uh, oil price is down today. But I also think in terms of Biden winning an election, in terms of especially winning a moderate or someone who could potentially vote in the middle, I think winning a land war in Ukraine would speak a lot better to his prospects of winning an election than... No, no, because winning a land war, could it be done by November? Question number one. And number two, you really don't want to see oil price at 95 today. You don't want to see oil price at 200. I mean, all day long, uh, you lose the election over uh, gathering price being 50% higher compared to uh, winning a, a war, where unfortunately, U.S. citizens uh, don't care about what's going on uh, in Ukraine. I think they will care. I think they will care. I think this is a, it's a national humiliation. It's an international humiliation for democracy around the world, and I think they will care. And I think that's what leadership, leadership, good leadership, shapes public opinion. Good leadership. Then what the fuck is makes up with the right Fox? decision? Sorry, but what uh, the fuck so, is up with Fox and Tucker Carlson, like defending Putin on air, like Laura Ingram, Donald Trump, like calling Putin a genius? What 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 purpose is this serving? There, there's beyond, a difference. Like, so there's the there's partisan. There's there's two types of people who are talking about Russia in a very poor way on Fox. There are people that are saying Donald Trump would have done a better job, which is whatever. That's a debate. That's up for debate. I sort of think he had a slightly better track record, and then, but he said very stupid things about Russia. But then you have people that are openly view Putin as defending Christendom or have some weird perverse theory about Vladimir Putin, which is based on ignorance. Those people, maybe Tucker feels that way, are not, their views are completely insane and almost borderline treasonous. You know, or there's people that are myopically focused on countering China. 
Uh, my point to them would say that the Russians are the largest arms proliferator to China. All most Chinese military aircraft are powered by Russian jet engines. Missile systems are you, you know built with Russian technology. And I, I, I really think that if you want to counter China, you need to counter Russia. And I, I think you can't split them apart right now under the current Putin regime. I think that the only solution to this is to make Putin bleed. It's to just no gloves. He's not going to go nuclear. He will threaten to, but he will not. He is irrational and rational at the same time. So what would happen if he shot a nuclear um, warhead at like New York City? How, how would, would we try to intercept that? Like, what is the military protocol? I mean, we have, unlike Russia, we have missile defense systems. They're somewhat unreliable. I mean, this is a, this is a worst case scenario. And I don't, I personally think it would never escalate to this, but we would shoot, hopefully shoot that thing down. Um, and then we would retaliate. I think I'm, I was fortunate enough in 1999 to visit Moscow. It's a beautiful city. My grandmother's Russian, but I hope, you know, that's unfortunately, if they were to target us, I would target them back. That's mutually assured destruction. And I you know I sound like a madman, but this is, <laughs> sorry, if you're, if you're a country, if you're a nuclear country, New York, what do you think we're going to do? I mean, that's deterrence. All right, Remy, what do you think we should do? What should Macron do? Why, why I disagree, just um, that is so obvious to you that everything that is happening in Ukraine is because of the U.S., while, frankly, what's happening there is because of Europe, because of Germany. So, again, I come back if I'm Biden. I don't know if I need to waste a lot of uh, political um, capital into, into that. Uh, Europe is just big enough to assist uh, Ukraine if they believe it's uh, it's worth it. Um, so that that's really an area where I'm a bit, uh, I kind of have a different point of view. And then I found Nick's view that uh, Russia would like to go for a NATO country. Um, have I mean, it's, it's something that I never really heard before. And uh, I mean, what, what is the end game here? Um, I mean, is it like to have his legacy, to make his legacy? Um, to have fun? I mean, what, what is what would be his motivation? No, it, it's not. A, his motivation is a restoration of the Soviet Union. Uh, not the Soviet Union. It's a restoration of Russian, you know, a, a delusional restoration of Russian glory. And if he truly cared about Russian glory, he would reform Russia's economy. He would have welcomed Ukraine as an EU state because it would have allowed them to to prosper and enlarge their market. And, and in doing so, it would have been mutually beneficial for the Russian market. So... He doesn't, he's not, it's, it's, it's a sort of like for domestic consumption, there's Russian national sentiment. There's a sense of insecurity in Russia that Russia is a declining power, which it is. It has the, its GDP is smaller than South Korea's and Texas's, for example. Uh, And it's, you know, GDP after this conflict will be shrink even more, but it's just this delusional mentality that they view these countries are subservient. They don't respect the self-sovereignty of these nations. And I think he views the U.S. as this biggest obstacle to creating this grand Russian empire again. And the, the thing that's standing between him and that is, is NATO, is the NATO alliance. And I think that he, he believes that the U.S. will not respond if a NATO country is attacked. And unfortunately, there's part of me that believes that, too. And I think that we need to get serious about NATO and and really just, you know, I know you complain about militarism, but this is what it comes down to is – we're, we lived in this bubble of, of peace and prosperity, but when it comes down to, 
to it. There, there are these forces in nature, in the world, in humanity that it, we take for granted that, you know, in some ways, the U.S. after World War II created the system that now we take for granted, you know, peace on the European continent. But it's not it's not a natural state. It requires work. It requires deterrence, a security structure. And 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 quite frankly, it requires uh, European, what you know, European and, and, mil- and an American military presence to do so. I think you too easily brushed off from his idea that Putin might just want to have fun, you know, just like. Putin just wants to have fun. Uh, no. No. But okay. But where's the where's the CIA in all this? Just to sort of go on a tangent. Like, how many millions of what is the CIA budget every year? It's fucking like hundreds of millions of dollars. Why don't they have a plan to just like just end this? It's classified understand. what their budget is. They have it's it's in the billions, but. They, they, it's not, what do you mean? I mean, they, they're not, just it, assassinated. We we, yeah, it's not, we don't do that anymore. That's oh, probably okay. not. Okay. Coming okay. In at the yeah, yeah, we could drug strike a million fucking terrorists. I feel like I'm yeah, glad. So, dr- so let's, go, let's, let's go back to the dr- to, to drone strike. You need an, it's usually done with an MQ 9 Reaper, which is a slow moving propeller aircraft that's unmanned that requires air superiority to do so, right? So, we, there's no Taliban Air Force shooting that down. No, I understand. In, I'm not in, saying in a, we drone strike Putin. I'm saying we like just like we we clearly have shown little compunction in killing individual people or you know random houses that where that person might be. Like I don't understand why like the fucking security of the world is at stake. Why is this a morally bad thing to do? I don't understand. Putin. I mean, I I would support. Putin's death, but I do think they have the largest nuclear arsenal on the planet. You know, and is I, you know, going back, command, to, like willing to do this the way that he is, like this seems like a lot of. Ooh, what like, if we hacked in and changed the passwords, like change the nuclear? Well, no, there, I, well, I do think that we should be launching like a million cyber attacks, right? We should take down the internet in Russia. We should take down their power grid. We should fuck up all their railroads. To, to we do. With the we did probably what we did in Georgia in 08 is that we shut down their GPS systems, which is this is something we that we control. We should be doing all of these things. Hundred percent. We should kick them out of Swift. We should do, like. I, there's I agree. Not be doing these things. And I, I assume we we did shut down their GPS systems, but I, I think that's not enough. They have a, a clone GPS system called Glosnas, which they used to for their targeting purposes, which has dramatically improved since 2008. But that being said, I think yes, I agree. Cyber attacks. I, I really think there should be no electric power in Russia for the next ten years because of this. I think there should be bread lines in Russia. I am a Russian, uh, someone in the Russian right. heritage. This is the way it should but be. Red lines in Russia? I don't know about that. I, I, wanna, I also want to. I want to. I want to say that there is an anti-war movement in Russia that's very brave and taking to the streets to protest Putin. They were getting immediately beaten up and arrested, and this isn't the Russian people's fault. But Putin needs to feel pain, and I don't really have strong confidence. Right. In it seems like sanctions to need to that. be more surgical than sweeping in these situations i don't understand enough about that but it seems like they need to take a couple more steps toward sanctioning the top brass but i don't the whole like it it, you really do get into a tricky situation from what i've read about swift and everything because we spend so much of the global finance that comes through us that you really would be hurting people at all edges of society and then also it pushes people further into the chinese orbit the russians could just use their money processing system supposedly so it just creates more problems for us. So yeah, but then, the, but there's still going to be like huge pain in terms of like you, that switch doesn't happen overnight, right? Like when we kicked Iran out of SWIFT, it like took out what forty percent of their economy, like that, basically. 
I mean, it, and it comes back to the original problem with like EU countries not stepping up where it matters because the reluctance is on the part of Germany and on the part of Belgium, I think, in particular. You know, you know what I would do? I would seize every single Russian oligarch's yacht that's currently docked in, in port. There, I know Abramowitz's I yacht. I don't really see why the yacht seizure hasn't happened yet. Yeah, right? I don't get why all of that doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, because also Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club should be sold immediately. to Jeff Bezos. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, what's take, actually funny the is the soccer so, team. I feel like that's know, the one that. What's that would be great for Chelsea? Oh, number one, because the well, way that didn't Chelsea, the Gazprom Gazprom got removed as a sponsor, right? Gazprom got kicked out of Schalke, which is who was the, they were like the title sponsor, uh, and also an F1 Eurocali is is being kicked out of the Haas F1 team. But what the way that like if if Abramovich's assets are seized. The way that Chelsea's ownership structure is, is that Abramovich owes money to himself. Like there's a holding company called Fordsum. And basically, if his assets get seized, then like all of the debt that Chelsea owe Abramovich gets wiped off the books. He can't claim it. So that would be fucking awesome. Chelsea would be able to be sold at cost and you would have a whole slew of buyers and make him a much more attractive proposition. Oh, man, you should start like a Chelsea fan protest. This may be the best way to get Chelsea to sell. To get them to do something, fan up. I mean, I saw Boris Johnson like, man, you can't fly on their charter planes anymore. Aeroflot got banned from the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, how are you? What are your thoughts on all this mess? Uh, sadly predictable. I think we kind of all thought we were getting here. I don't know. I think there. Putin sensed an opportunity when the former president was like, Putin, this is a good idea. The man's a genius for taking Ukraine, and. No, I think that's rhetorical. I mean, so there's a, there's a reason why Putin didn't do this under the last administration. Because despite Trump's best efforts to be an idiot on Russia, his I, administration under Pompeo were actually pretty solid. They killed Russian mercenaries in Syria. The Wagner Group or the, the U.S. drone stro- drone strike 200 Russian mercenaries. They got out of the INF Treaty, which Russia had been bro- breaking since 2007. Hey, Remy, why are you shaking your head, Remy? Because of the commodity contest is very different. That's why he has so much leverage today. It was not the case uh, two, three, five years in the past. Just today, there is such a huge shortage in agricultural, uh, uh, in ag commodities and oil and gas. Uh, the price of gas in Europe is a uh, all-time high. It was not the case three years ago. It has nothing to do, from my point of view, between Trump, uh, Obama, or Biden. It's just like he has a strong hand thanks to community shortage post-COVID uh, uh, lockdowns. Right. I, I think the other thing is President Trump maybe would have just launched a nuclear weapon, right? Like that's the, and so there is that risk factor that yes, maybe that was a deterrent, but I'm not sure that's a great deterrent when your president is uh, highly emotional and erratic. Well, I have another thing is how come, why did, why did Obama uh, say that comment to Mitt Romney in 2012? Uh, the, the 80s call, they want their foreign policy back when Romney aptly said that Russia was our number Well, I, I think Obama's still right. Like, our definitely our biggest foe is still China, um, I think, on all factors. So he's still right. It's not that Russia is not a problem, but we should focus on the bigger problems, which is not Afghanistan or Russia, but China every day and TikTok corrupting American youth. Great pivot. And, and taking market share from Facebook. Yeah, Meta. Right. We got to call it Meta. Facebook is a sub company of Meta on this podcast. Okay, so what should we pivot to? Anything else? Should we talk about F1? Ben wanted to talk about porpoising. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it. I just mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's 
I, as someone who lives in Europe, it's kind of hard to talk about anything else, but obviously the new F1 season is approaching and that's exciting. New regulations, they've completely changed the aerodynamic package of the cars that have been in place for the last seven years. So it's very, very exciting. And uh, over the last two days, all the cars finally got revealed on track. And what's very interesting is that you have completely different interpretations of the rules uh, in terms of what the teams have interpreted as the best way to make them aerodynamic and interesting. The biggest change is that they've made the main generator of downforce be the floor of the cars because what they are concerned about in recent years is that the quality of racing has been shitty because as the cars go, all the dirty air comes off the back of them and any car that's fallen close behind is hugely disadvantaged. So a big effort in making the downforce generated by the car attributable to the floor is that they're trying to improve the quality of actual racing. So that's interesting. It's a, it's a good idea, but it comes with certain challenges. And the, the first being porpoising, where basically the car kind of rocks back and forth. And this is both very dangerous and uh, hugely uncomfortable for the drivers. So it's a it's an interesting challenge that's presented by the new regulations. And this is the first time the teams are encountering it. So the season kicks off. I don't remember exactly. It's like mid to late March. So we'll see that. Really? That's a fast turnaround. It just ended. Yeah. I didn't realize it goes. It's like Premier League. Have there been any big team switches? Like did Daniel Ricardo go to some other team or some shit? Uh, no, <laughs> actually not too much movement. The biggest one it would be Mercedes. Uh, Valtteri Bottas left after several years. Oh, I didn't years. know that. Where is he? He's at Alfa Romeo now. Oh, that's cool. Uh, who's, well, who's he basically Lewis got Hamilton's kicked backup. out because he's kind of been a bum for a long time. Well, Hamilton's new teammate is George Russell, who's this uh, oh, the rich prodigy. Kid. Oh, no. Is that? No, no. He's. I thought that was. Oh, no. Who is he? I'm thinking of the other kid, Stroll. Lance Stroll is his Lance Stroll, for. yes. Lance Stroll is nowhere near good enough. Lance Stroll only has a job because his dad owns the right. team. <laughs> George Russell has like a. Uh, uh, unimpeachable cv in some of the junior in his junior career like in in some of the lower formulas um he's been at williams for a couple years but he came up through the mercedes driver program and what was kind of head turning for a lot of people is when hamilton had covid george russell like stepped in driving a car he'd never driven before in a seat that was like way too short for him because he's like five inches taller than hamilton and he still would have won the race except their pit crew fucked up twice and he was very, very unlucky. So a lot of people rate him very highly. He's not quite like Verstappen level as a prospect coming in, but he's not too far off. Like he's in kind of the same bracket. So people are excited to see how he progresses. Wait, what's his name? George Russell. George Russell. Got it. All right. Duly noted. Who do you root for, Remy? Who's your Formula One team? Well, yeah, Ferry. My dad this King uh, Charles Leclerc is from uh, Monaco. Mm-hmm. So I will root for them um and then there is also um alfatori right there is a french uh, french driver uh, pure gasly pure gasly who um pure gasly so that would be kind of the the two cars uh i i kind of uh, support that's fun a lot of people are very excited for ferrari this year they think that ferrari is the is sneaky going to be the favorite because they delight delayed a lot of development in their car last year They've reportedly been very focused on getting back to the front. Yeah, let's hope. I still feel like I hear the same thing every every you know every time at the beginning of the season. Ferry might make a comeback. Uh, the new modification or 
just uh, wild and it would require the, uh, a lot of improvement from all the team and everything could be more more fair and at the end it that seems to be Mercedes and uh, Red Bull were able to just to compete so I'm yeah, very well, excited they, and curious a, to see if it's the same as this year they've had a hard time bouncing back from their sort of whole cheating scandal in 2019 so that's kind of been rough for them but yeah I mean I think like this sort of always happens when you get kind of towards the end of a period of regulations the standard kind of gets set and it's difficult for teams to move year over year so i think that's why there's a lot of excitement for this year because everything is going to be completely different even though the engines are going to be the same in in a way that kind of is almost more interesting because all the teams are not going to be trying to figure out how the engines work and and all that stuff like it's all about kind of the air packages so at least a lot of room for interpretation nick let's end this give us the last word What's going to happen over the next week? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's somber. I, I, you know, the only thing I could say is fuck Putin. Did you say I he was mean, a pedophile? What made you think he's a pedophile? Um, I've been spreading that online as a way of countering Russian misinformation. So there is a, there is actually, there's some credibility to that. Yeah, there's, he, there, there's something to that. There's a there's a, allegedly a tape of him doing some nasty things, and the person that was spreading that was a guy named Alexander Litvinenko, who was famously in 06 poisoned by the SVR uh, by a guy named Andrei Lugovoy, who's working on behalf of the Russian government. He was poisoned with polonium in London and killed. He was a you know sort of KGB defector who had you know known some things that Putin didn't want out, and Putin killed him, ordered his killing. And uh, and there's a rumor that he did it because he had some incriminating video of Putin doing some nasty things. So again, the world, this is a, I believe the last couple of months were a Munich moment where the world refused, didn't have the, the will to step up and prevent Putin from doing this. And I think now is the time to stand up to Putin and make him pay. That's what I want to say. I like how intense you are. You're in your element, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I got my good podcast voice on. <laughs> my deep voice. I don't know why he's such a sadist. Why he's got to be like that. Mm. Do, do you guys play Wordle? I remember we've been meaning to talk about it. Do you guys play Wordle? I did for like a week and a half. Mm. Are you really into it? Yeah, because if you get the guess the word, you sort of feel like you did a you had a small accomplishment for the day. Yeah, Ellie it's and a I little do dopamine it. hit that I get as soon as I wake up. I don't, I don't <laughs> mind it. I saw people... Uh, <laughs> Arguing or get complaining about tacit was one of the words recently. They were yeah, not, like yeah. how fucking stupid are people that they don't know that word? I think another one that was, uh, yeah, I, I just find approval. it. I find it always amusing because it was hosted on a UK site, but done by an American guy. Like every time, all the Brits are annoyed when there's like a word like humor because uh, yeah. that's it's spelled wrong, even though it's spelled <laughs> better in American English. Oh, I hate her. To my death. All right. I think that's enough for today. Remy, thank you for joining us. Come back anytime. Oh, we didn't talk about inflation, I guess. Uh, How are your but, kids? But, we, should we talk about kids at the end? We all have, we all have kids here, except for me. <laughs> we all. Kids are fine. Kids in Yeah, they're not old enough to be interesting. It is carnival here tomorrow, so Amelia is very excited to wear her, um, her Elsa dress to school for that. Cause she, Amelia is like, obsessed with um frozen not fashion not not even frozen she just loves to wear dresses so she'll like every day she comes home from school and mm. has to go upstairs and get whatever dress she wants 
So she like half of her outfits, <laughs> half of her wardrobe is dresses. But have you she has have you big, watched like, um, goofy... Ben? Have you watched Encanto? Yes. Oh my god! Like how I could almost recite that movie to you, and <laughs> uh, I know all the words to all the songs because that's what gets played in the car. So. It's awesome! I just love it. It is Disney, a good movie. They yeah. are just so. I mean, the hit ratio that Disney. Uh, is able to to get on their movies it's just incredible and yeah. this and this one i mean it's um it's just a genius like the the, the composer right who also uh, composed the most of the song for hamilton i mean this guy i mean you have such you have human beings like this able to just have so much so gifted able to create uh, so fantastic uh things on a regular basis it's just uh uh, uh, very impressive. We, yeah, we kind I of also he... watch like a thousand times. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it it's very good. And I think um, what's kind of interesting is he, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, has been kind of expanding some of his some of the music uh, styles that he that he likes to use. I think like what is appealing about the soundtrack is there's a lot of variety in terms of the way some of the music is written. So. Yeah. Wait, Ben, sing some yeah. for us. I want, no. I want a little taste. No, oh. fuck no. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs>